When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are looking live at the commission, the Gary Bettman studio here at PHNX Sports. This is the PHNX Sun Show. I'm your host, Aspo, and yes, things look a little different than usual. I've given my cohorts, Gerald Bourget, Lindsey Smith, and Saul Bookman, the day off. That's how kind I am. I said, you know what? I got this. I got you taken care of. Don't worry. You're not just going to be listening to me for an hour. I brought in two very special guests, Sam Quinn from CBS Sports, to talk about the national perspective of the Suns and just how hot James Jones' seat might be in terms of that national perspective. And I bring in a very special guest, Keith Smith, an NBA capologist, a guy that knows everything about the number side of the NBA to look at how important this trade deadline is and the offseason is when it comes to the Suns cap and how complicated it might be to put together a team. Just want to remind you, this show is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to use that code PHNX when you download the app and sign up today. Before we get to the interviews, before we take a look at what the future holds, I'm going to talk a little bit about and talk actually directly to the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia. Matt, you and Justin are taking over a franchise that means so much to the city of Phoenix. It's not just a basketball team. It's not just a representation of the city of Phoenix. It's part of the fabric of who we are in Phoenix and in the state of Arizona. It's part of what it means to be a Phoenician and an Arizonan. It is a passion and a love, and it has been for almost 55 years. Now, we've talked about it in particular over the last 18 years that no one individual truly owns the Phoenix Suns. You are simply a steward of the fans and taking care of what belongs to the Valley. You sign the checks, you technically own it based on a legal piece of paper, but in the end, the heart, the soul, and everything that it means to be a Phoenix Sun is part of this city. It's part of this state. It's part of the people that put in their hard-earned money and their time and their passion and their tears and their joy into this franchise. Now, we're excited to have you in the Valley. You both seem like genuinely good people that want to make an impact. And that's good. Because for the last decade and a half, things have been difficult. It's not just the 43-page report that outed the disgraced future former owner and his behavior on the business side. It's been difficult from a basketball perspective. The last two and a half years since the bubble have been great. An 8-0 bubble run, a surprise finals run, and the best record in the NBA are all nice. 
And we don't look at that and, and, and turn a blind eye to it. But the 10, 11 years prior to that on the court were some of the roughest in franchise history. It was maligned with bad management choices and worse coaching choices and even worse players at times. This was rough. It was the longest stretch this team had gone without making the playoffs. Hell, in the almost 55 years that this team's been here, they've made the playoffs 31 times. And it's likely to be 32 this year. But the one thing that's always eluded us in this town is a championship. You guys have the opportunity to bring a title and end the drought. It's not going to be easy. But guess what? If you do, you're going to become heroes in this town. You'll never pay for a drink. You'll, you talked about how the two months you've spent researching whether or not to buy the Suns, that you loved the city and the passion that its fans have. You haven't seen anything yet. Bring a title to this town, and you guys will literally be kings here. But it starts with not wasting the prime of one Devin Armani Booker. Book already is one of the greatest in franchise history. He has a very good chance this season, injuries withstanding, to wind up having the best points per game ever. He'll surpass Tom Chambers' 27.2 points in average. He ha he's averaging 27.1 right now. Easily could surpass Tom Chambers. He's going to surpass Steve Nash as the franchise leader in three-pointers. In fact, he only needs six more of them. So we're within striking dist distance already there. He's a top 10 in twos made and assists in franchise history. He's number five in free throws made and number six in points all time and likely to be number four when it's all said and done this season. He also has the highest second highest points per game for a career in Phoenix behind Charlie Scott. Now, everybody knows Devin Booker's good, and the numbers just back that up. But literally, you have a franchise-changing player in the midst of his prime. We haven't even seen the best of him yet as long as he can stay healthy. But you know what he's never truly had? A secondary superstar. The Shaq to his Kobe. The Dwayne Wade to his Shaq. The Pippen to his Jordan. He hasn't had that guy yet. How do we get him that guy? Because if the Suns want to win a title, that's the path to it. Now, that's no knock on CP3, but he was on the downhills uh, of his career and wasn't in his prime when he came here from OKC. And we saw, even with a guy on the fringes of stardom and superstardom still, that Devin Booker elevated this franchise to another level. They got to the finals with that pairing. Imagine what you could do if you got him a guy closer to his prime, a guy that could be a true number two, a DeMar DeRozan, a Pascal Siakam, to a lesser extent, a Kyle Kuzma who would be a good running mate with him. Sure, DeAndre Ayton eventually could develop into a number two, but you don't have time to wait. Devin Booker had to wait far too long into his career to learn what winning was like. And now you cannot waste the opportunity for him to get to the peak, for him to become a champion, 
for him and by proxy you to raise that Larry O'Brien trophy for the first time in Phoenix history. It's time to spend what it takes. It's time to get James Jones to make the deal and make it now before the salary cap and other implications make it that much more difficult. You have the assets. You have the expiring contracts. Now you just need to have the will. You guys are the deepest pocketed owners that have ever been here in Phoenix. And you also seem like you have the passion and the desire to want to win. Matt, I've seen you talk about your time at Michigan State and what it means to be part of that championship culture that Tom Izzo built. Well, we want to be part of the championship culture you and Devin Booker built here in Phoenix. Do whatever it takes. We're happy here to have you here in the Valley, but we can't wait to be thrilled to have you lifting that trophy and having a parade down Central. Let's get to work, Matt. We appreciate you. Before we get to Sam Quinn and Keith Smith, let's. Uh, I want to tell you about my friends over the DraftKings Sportsbook app, right? We're talking about Matt Ishbia and, and how he has deep pockets. Well, if you want to have deep pockets, the DraftKings Sportsbook app gives you that opportunity to make the bets that you've always wanted to play. Sports betting has been legal here since last September. If you haven't signed up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, what are you waiting for? It's America's number one sportsbook app. I have a lot of fun on it. I hit last night. I'm picking the Wizards money line. Yeah, I know. I get it. This is a sun show. But Logic told me, take the Wizards money line, take the over at 220. I did. I got plus 435 on my money. It was great. Nice little end of the holidays boost uh, to, to help me get through that tough time when you, uh, you, you had a little too much that you spent on Christmas. Well, now I even that out a little bit. And the DraftKings Sportsbook app is ready for you as the NBA season heats up. And we know that all too well here in Phoenix. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has a special offer just for you. If you make your first bet on a money line in any NBA game and your team wins, you're going to get up to $150 in free bets. $150. Yeah, that's right. It's just that simple. Use the code PHNX when you sign up at the on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can download it uh, on any app store that you got. Use that code. Make that bet on any NBA team's money line, and they're going to give you a free bet up to $150. It's just that simple. Remember, you must be 21 and over. Other restrictions apply. See show notes for those details. Oh, but we're not done yet with DraftKings. I got a pick of the week. Friday night, Suns. Take DeAndre Ayton and the over on his points. I don't care what it's set at. I think we will see the damn break. He had 31 against the Wizards. I think we're on for another career high on Friday for DeAndre Ayton when the Suns play. So take that. That is my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. You can take it to the house. And, you know, when you're celebrating your victory, why not celebrate it with an ice-cold beer from Four Peaks? Our friends over at Four Peaks and their A Street Pub have a lot going on, but you don't just have to go to the A Street Pub to get your beer. You can go wherever you buy beer in the Valley. You're going to find Four Peaks in most of those locations. You can enjoy the Wow Wheat Joy Bus, which is my favorite. The Suns Brew, the new can, is the sexiest beer can I've ever seen. And I did not know that I could think a beer can was sexy 
but I do. It looks like the Sunburst uniform that the Suns have been wearing. That throwback in the can looks spectacular, as does the box that those uh, those cans come in. You're going to enjoy that. The beer is spectacular, but that's not all. Our friends at Four Peaks are sponsoring our first ever PHNX tea party no we're not lifting our pinkies and drinking herbal tea we are actually playing some golf out at the Dobson ranch golf course we're gonna be hitting balls out at their driving range it is state-of-the-art top golf technology where you can hit at the driving range but virtually play basically any major course in the united states you can come out there uh, and you can play you can see the details on the screen uh, for a foursome or you can play single there's going to be free lessons for kids 10 and under food prizes oh yeah and we're gonna have a viewing party for the suns game that night january 13th that's a friday we're gonna be doing the pre and post game show live from there it will be a lot of fun so why don't you come out to the inaugural phnx tea party at dobson ranch it's gonna be a lot of fun and look these times are a little nervous for suns fans i'm not gonna lie i've been there i know it it's rough with devin booker out for not being reevaluated for four weeks, you can be a little nervous. But OGs has got you covered. They are Arizona's only THC scratch made gummies. They are spectacular. Their flavors are next level. Their aqua berry and their sleep gummy is special. Their orange creamsicle is delicious. I mean, even the non medicated gummies are worth it just for the taste. But if you want to take part in OGs, it's easy. Go to your local dispensary. Go to OGsBrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z-Brands.com and get yours today. You must be 21 or over to enjoy. And I am excited to welcome in our first guest. He's Sam Quinn from CBS Sports. I talked to him earlier today about the national perspective on your Phoenix Suns. Super excited to welcome my first guest on the program. He's Sam Quinn of CBS Sports. Sam, how are you today, man? I'm great. I'm amazed. This is the first piece of Phoenix Suns media I've done since our infamous wager. So (laughs) it's been two years now. Hopefully I can be forgiven. I wasn't even going to bring up our wagers, so you you brought it up. Uh, you were kind enough to pay it off, though. Most people, when they make a bet like that, uh, don't actually pay it off. Uh, you were a gentleman. Uh, I, I won't call you a scholar. I don't know your educational background, but you certainly were a gentleman when it came to that. For those of you that don't know, Sam had, uh, had tweeted out that Chris Paul would win a playoff series in Phoenix I shot off my big mouth, as I tend to do on Twitter, and said, want to make a bet? Uh, we did. And uh, what was that, like six, nine months later when they made the playoffs, uh, you gave me a hat and donated some money to charity. So, Sam, you, uh, you're a man of your word. I will say that. The tweet, the tweet itself was retired by Old Takes Exposed. So I'm <laughs> proud. If you're going to be wrong, go really big. Get as wrong as possible. But – you know what? I haven't gotten anything too badly wrong about the sun since. I don't know. We'll see how the episode goes. Maybe I will again today. Don't worry. I I get things wrong on a daily basis when it comes to this team. It's just a byproduct of uh, of what we do for a job. Well, Sam, I want to hop right into it. Suns are having an up and down, uneven season to say the uh, the ba- or the, to say the least. Uh, they've suffered quite a lot of injuries the latest being Devin Booker out at least four weeks with that groin injury what's the national perspective right now when it comes to the Phoenix Suns I think generally the temperature is like 
we'll believe it when we see it after what happened against Dallas last year, where even when Phoenix was the number one seed earlier in the year, I don't think anybody was taking them too seriously as a championship threat. I think that was maybe a little bit overblown, but there are still problems that even when they were healthy, I don't know that they addressed some of the things that went wrong against Dallas. I'm still a little concerned. They never get to the basket. They're 28th in restricted area field goal attempts. You know, the defense I think has been better. It's ranked 12th. I think it looks better when you watch it than the numbers suggest. And I think it'll ultimately be okay unless you run into the Luka Doncic sort of guy, which, well, actually there's no such thing as the Luka Doncic sort of guy. There's just Luka. Um, I think they'd still have, you know, if Mikhail Bridges can't defend that guy one-on-one, it changes your defensive equation quite a bit. But then the biggest question obviously is can Chris Paul a stay healthy and B score enough to make them a real championship contender this year, it hasn't really been the case, right? His scoring is obviously way down. The health remains an issue. You know, the heel wasn't like, as I recall, there was some ambiguity about how long he was going to be out and we didn't quite know. And it ended up dragging a little bit longer as it tends to with guys that age. So I think they're in the conversation in that there are six or seven teams in the West that are in the conversation. But I know personally, I need to see, okay, it's round two. They're blitzing the ball screens. They're hedging again. How is the offense going to respond? What is their answer to the way that Dallas defended them in the playoffs last year? Until I feel good about that, I would hesitate to say like, yeah, they're right in the thick of the title picture. Well, I think, and and this isn't, directed at you this is just in general i think my problem with that is uh, you know three of the of the seven games they did solve that defense uh against the mavs i mean they won by a double figures uh, in a handful of those games i feel like that game seven tainted things so tremendously that 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 sticks in people's mind and i still I still have never gotten the full answer on what exactly happened. We heard rumors of injury, of COVID, uh, of multiple things, but I feel like that seventh game is really what sticks in everybody's mind, not the entirety of that series. Yeah, I would just say more than anything, I treat the first two games of that series as pretty separate from the last five. Mm-hmm. It felt like game game three was really when the Mavericks made their defensive adjustments. You know, game two was the game where they just picked on Luka relentlessly. They were hunting him in switches. Game three is when Dallas sort of started to hedge more and change the defense a bit, and that's really what changed the series in my eyes. I do agree with you in general that game seven was such a historic outlier that we haven't really, like, that was a game seven, right? Like, the way people talk about that series, like, oh, Dallas totally demolished them. It was totally, like, one-sided. No, that happened in game seven, which means there were six games before that that they weren't close in the scoreboard, but each team won three of them. So I do agree with you in that sense. It felt like there were a lot of different things coming to a head in that series, right? Especially game seven, you know, some of the offensive deficiencies, the defense obviously had no answer for Luca whatsoever. The relationship between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams seemed to be an issue at that time. It feels like it's getting better. At least DeAndre Ayton's playing well this season. There might've been COVID involved. I've given up on trying to explain what exactly happened in that game, but I do think that the series as a whole pointed to issues that are going to persist in the playoffs. And I do think we need to separate playoffs from regular season here. Monty Williams, man, is probably the best regular season coach in the NBA, right? Like I think if, if there was another mantle holder, like it might've been Popovich in the past, 
Quinn Snyder was up there for a while, but when you talk about a regular season coach, the idea is to build a system that's so concrete that even when a guy is missing, you can mostly replicate it and feel like you're going to get similar results. And I was watching the Memphis game, I think it was two nights ago, where no Booker, no Landry Shamit, cool, Dwayne Washington's going to come in and score 25 or whatever he had. For Monty Williams, like, as a regular season coach, just basically having him almost guarantees that from a record perspective, you're going to win 53, 54, 55 games, something like that. It's the playoffs that I really need to see it because, I mean, we can be honest about this. Jason Kidd did outcoach him in that series. I'm still very high on him. I think he's bare minimum a top five coach in the NBA. But I want to see how he adjusts with this roster because at least right now, the roster isn't very different than it was last year. Yeah, well, you bring up injuries. Uh, One of the the big storylines when it comes to this Suns team is that they've lost a lot of guys, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, even DeAndre Ayton to a lesser extent to, to injuries. Cam Johnson, obviously the serious knee injury campaign uh, has been out as well. Uh, let me ask you this. Why does it feel like uh, when it comes to the national discourse, when it's the, you know, it's the Clippers or it's the Warriors, it's, well, when they get healthy, they'll be wor- world beaters. With the Suns, it feels like, oh, yeah, this is this is what we all thought this team would be, despite the fact that, that they've lost a, a lot of these guys to injury. Uh, is that just Phoenix Suns fans being up in their feels, or is that, in your perspective, a, a reality here? I think it's a mix. I mean, I think ultimately the reason teams like the Clippers get credit because Kawhi has won two championships and won two finals MVP. The Warriors get credit because they've won four championships, right? Chris Paul has this history of breaking down during seasons. So I don't think people are ever going to really be all that surprised when he breaks down during the season. Now, if you promised me here and now that the Suns were going to be fully healthy through four rounds of playoffs, I'd be pretty bullish on them. I think, yeah, like, when you factor in the reality that teams do get hurt, if I knew that Chris Paul was going to be healthy, I'd feel a little bit better. But I also just, it does kind of annoy me when we, it's its not that it's a double standard because I get where it's coming from, but I do think that we do kind of ignore the reality that we haven't seen the Suns much in their fully healthy form this season. Now, we've seen enough of it over the past couple of years that I guess people feel like, eh, we know what they are. Like, we don't have to think too much about it. But you do have a good point that, like, we don't – like, they haven't been fully healthy. I mean, last year, Paul missed a bunch of time, and then Booker missed – or it was reversed, actually. Booker missed, missed a bunch of time early, and then Paul missed it late, right? And then this year now, obviously, Chris Paul got hurt first, and then Booker's hurt now. I, I think it's reasonable to say that we don't really know – how this team is going to be different from the past years because we haven't seen it at full strength. And of course they might make a trade as well. So I do get where you're coming from, but Chris Paul's history is kind of a big part of that and his age too. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's very much, you know, there, I think Suns fans sometimes confuse Chris Paul uh, disdain and kind of, uh, the the tendency to not be as bullish on Chris Paul with a view of the Phoenix Suns overall, uh, and and I think that comes uh, sort of uh, with uh, with being having him as one of your stars. But you bring up the trade aspect of things. Obviously, Jay Crowder 
been out since the beginning of the season, sent home before training camp even started. Everybody assumed that a deal would happen quickly. Nothing has materialized yet as we sit here at the very end of December. Do you think the Suns will make some kind of larger move in in your estimation? Or do you think this will just be, let's try to figure out how to just jettison Jay Crowder at this point and then uh, figure things out from there? I think the idea for the short term is you want to use Crowder, and if you can get a starter back for him, great. Or if you attach your first-round pick this year, you know, maybe even do a little bit better. You know, I've heard Kyle Kuzma thrown around. Not as crazy about that fit just because he's not a great three-point shooter. Obviously, he gets to the basket. Their offensive rebounding is already great. He would really add to that. I'm bigger on Bojan Bogdanovic just because of the shooting. It's really simplistic because Kuzma's better at almost everything else, but that just shows you how important shooting is in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So I'd be a little bit better, a little bit bigger on Bogdanovich, especially because he'd be cheaper. Like I bet if you did just offer matching salary and you know your first round pick this year, which will be in the twenties, Pistons would probably be into that. So that would probably be what I think they go for. The long term play is more interesting to me because you have these three young. I don't want to say Booker's a star, Bridges and Aiton are a level below that, but these three cornerstone guys in their mid twenties who presumably you can contend with for at least another half decade, if not more. And on the other hand, you have Chris Paul, who's obviously very close to the end of his career. And he has this interesting contract with the non-guarantees in the last two years. So in theory, if like we were going to be as cold and calculating about this as possible, the long-term play for them would eventually be to use that Chris Paul contract plus your future draft capital to trade for either another point guard or another star, somebody you can slide in on the timeline of Booker, Aiton, and Bridges, because those three are going to be good to go for the next half decade, you would think. So I don't know who that's going to be, but I would figure your goal is we want to improve this year's team, but do it in a way that doesn't tie up our draft capital, because whether it's in six months or a year or two years or three years, presumably you're going to want to have the chance to make the, you know, four picks, three swaps trade, something in that vein for like a future running mate for Devin Booker in the way that Chris Paul was before and probably won't be for much longer. Not sure who that guy is. We can throw some names around. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is a name that everyone's going to put out there just because of the relationship. I don't know if that makes the most sense. Um, but I think that's the organizational play if you want to extend the window as long as possible. But for right now, I think you're looking at Jay Crowder plus maybe 2023 first round pick for insert, you know, playable playoff starter kind of guy. You know, Kuzma, I think is going to cost a little too much. Bogdanovich makes a little bit of sense. I have some, I mean, if you want to take some more risks, I throw maybe Karis LeVert. Now he's not a great three point shooter either, but he's a little bit more explosive. So maybe that can help you get to the basket a little bit more. And then the wild card, I keep trying to get Jay Crowder back to Miami because they so (laughs) desperately need a forward. I don't, there's not an easy trade to be made there unless maybe you wanted to take the Victor Oladipo risk, which look, I'll just say Victor Oladipo has been bad this year, like pretty bad, but great defender in the playoffs last year. And obviously has the history of being a very, very good high usage guard that, you know, maybe if you have him and he can get, get back to something like what he used to be, you have somebody who could really relieve Chris Paul for significant minutes in the playoffs. 
Nothing there really stands out to me. Bogdanovich is probably my best bet, but I would be thinking longer term, how do we get the next guy to play with Booker? Because guys are going to want to, because Devin Booker is awesome. Matt Ishbia is going to be the new owner coming in here once the Board of Governors uh, in the NBA approve him. Looking at that, along with James Jones's track record, do you think that there might be a bit of a hot seat for James Jones? I've been of that mindset that everybody should feel a little bit of heat because when a new owner or a new leader comes in, the first thing they want to do is evaluate everybody and potentially bring in their own people. Uh, do you think that that seat's getting hot? And, and should it be for James Jones based on what he's been able to do and what he hasn't been able to do? It's interesting. I, James Jones is a really hard executive to evaluate just because, I mean, look, he got them to the finals in one executive of the year, but we can also be honest that he didn't draft Booker, he didn't draft Aiton, he didn't draft Bridges. So we're looking at a GM who came into not a finished team. He did a lot of important things, but he didn't develop the roster from the outset. So we're judging on sort of smaller moves, right? Like, look at the biggest moves he's made. The Monty Williams hire is a slam dunk. Home run, great. Chris Paul trade, same deal. One first round pick for a guy who got you two wins away from the title. Great trade. But then the longer term things, right? There was that Kevin Arnovitz article last year that really detailed his sort of disinterest in the draft. The Suns have really not emphasized that. I would just point out before people jump down my throat, I think a lot of that is Robert Sarver because, I mean, Robert Sarver is not known for spending money. And there are the obviously very clear ways that that manifests, you know, not wanting to pay as much in the luxury tax when they had Steve Nash, which we can just say cost them a championship, but I'll just give you an example. I cover the Lakers. The Lakers love to throw money around at front facing talent. They will pay for an expensive head coach. They will pay superstar players. They don't throw a lot of money around behind the scenes in the ways that you don't see that often are what lead to championships, right? You know, having a big scouting staff, having a big analytics staff, having player development investments. The Warriors have thrown a ton of money into this in recent years, and it's really paid off for them. That hasn't traditionally been something that I think Robert Sarver has emphasized to the degree that other teams have. I would imagine that when Matt Ashbia comes in, given A, his wealth, and B, his understanding of what wins in basketball, because he was a college basketball player who won a national championship, I would imagine there are a lot more investments in those sort of ancillary areas that you don't see as much. The question here is going to be, is James Jones interested in working with those you know, greater resources and maybe looking a little bit more at the draft? Or does he want to keep going the course? And you know what? He has an argument for doing so because most of the moves he's made have been pretty good. And I would just say the advantage of using the draft when you're a winning team as the Suns are is that it's a great source of cheap talent. Well, if you look at James Jones's track record with guys on the minimum, it's terrific, right? I mean, you just go down the list. Campaign, brought him up the scrap beat, was great. Torrey Craig, now I think they're paying him a bit more this year, but, you know, somebody that they had a lot of success with that they got for nothing. Jock Landale, Bismack Biombo, Damian Lee, Dwayne Washington, who, I mean, look, I didn't know it much before the Memphis game the other night, but has looked, fan looked fantastic in that one, and I'm pretty optimistic now. James Jones has done so well at finding talent on the margins without using the draft that I don't know how much he's going to, you know, be willing to change his organizational philosophy in that respect. 
So I think that there might be some butting heads if they say, how are we going to run our organization? Are we going to be a bit more holistic? Are we going to be a bit more long ranging in the way that we plan out our rosters? Or are we going to give James Jones the room to say, you know what? You're doing well. Keep it up. I would imagine it's a balance of the two. I don't think James Jones' job is in jeopardy, just frankly, because I think he's done too good of a job. But you're right. With owners, you never know. And they do frequently want to bring in new people. So my initial guess is that there's going to be some butting heads as far as how they run the franchise. And you might hear some leaks like, oh, Ishbia wanted this, but Jones did that. I don't think in an immediate sense James Jones should be on the hot seat. Just because the reality is, if he got fired, some other team would hire him. And those aren't guys that you want to get rid of. Well, he is Sam Quinn of CBS Sports. Sam, anything you want to share, stuff you got coming up, or or places to find you on social? Uh, yes, Sam Quinn CBS on Twitter, readcbsports.com. Um, I'm writing about LeBron trade destinations the next couple of days just because that situation has gone to hell. I imagine Phoenix will be on that list pretty high. <laughs> So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm glad to have finally buried the hatchet with Suns Twitter. Well, we're happy to have buried it with you. Happy New Year and best of luck to you the rest of the season. Thanks, you too. Big thanks to my guest, Sam Quinn from CBS Sports, given that national perspective on the Suns. But I want to talk to you about my friends over the Game Time app. Game time has got you covered when it comes to tickets to sporting events, concerts, and anything else you'd want to go see. But guess what? Unlike my wife, my teachers, uh, my parents back in the day, they encourage procrastination with game time because if you wait till last minute, you can save up to 60% on your tickets to events. It's that simple. Go to the game time app, search what you're looking for in terms of shows you want to see or sporting events you want to go to and get the best price that you can using that. Use the code or to be used the link in our description. There's no code for this. We make it really easy. You don't have to remember PHNX or anything like that. Just click the link in our description to game time and you will help us by helping yourself getting great deals on tickets to the events you want to go to. And I want to tell you about Bad Birdie. If you're coming up to coming out to our inaugural PHNX Tea Party at the Dobson Ranch Golf Course, you want to look good when you do it. You want to be the envy of all the diehards that are there. You want to make people go, wow, what is he or she wearing? And the answer is Bad Birdie. They've got the most colorful, interesting, uh, unique shirts and skirts and anything you want golf attire-wise. And the best part of them, you don't have to just wear them to golf. We've got the guys around here, Shane and Sean and Max, that wear this gear in the office, and it looks spectacular. The hats are some of my favorite as well. Can't wait to get my hands on one for our PHNX Tea Party. You want to save some scratch on it, though? It's really easy. All you got to do is head over to badbirdiegolf.com. Use the code PHNX underscore sports 15. That's PHNX underscore underscore sports 15 for 15 percent off your entire order you can look great and have fun while doing it excited to talk to keith smith next about what the implications for the sun's salary cap moving forward are if they do or don't make a trade before the deadline Really excited to welcome in my next guest to the show. It's Keith Smith of Spot Track. Knows everything when it comes to the NBA cap. Uh, a capologist doesn't doesn't do it justice. Keith, how are you, man? 
I'm doing well. I appreciate the the kind words. I hopefully I'll live up to them. I love the Sonic shirt, by the way. Bring back, <laughs> thanks. Bring yeah, back no, the Sonics. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> soon. I hope, man. I hope. Definitely. Well, look, a lot of the focus right now in Suns world is possible trades that they can make uh, between now and the deadline. What interests me the most about it, though, is cap ramifications for this franchise now and moving in to the offseason because with them above the cap, I think it really limits things. Let's start there. When you look at where the Phoenix Suns currently stand now, how limited are they going into the offseason if they don't make any moves with these uh, expiring contracts that they have? Yeah, and, and, and I want to say all this, assuming they're going to do something with Jay Crowder, I can't mm-hmm. imagine they just let that expire, even if you know, even if it comes down to 259 on trade deadline day, mm-hmm. you take a second-round pick and wipe your hands clean of it. But uh, with all that said, the Suns are they're going to be an over-the-cap team, barring something really unexpected, uh, but they should come in close to enough room to use the full mid-level exception. We'll, we'll, we'll see ultimately where that lands, where I've got them right now, uh, guaranteed contracts on the book. You've got books. You've got 32 and a half for DeAndre Aiden, 36 for Devin Booker, 21.7 for Mikhail Bridges and 10.3 for Landry Shamit. So there's your fully guaranteed money of a hundred point four million. Um, at that point, that's against a projected cap for next season. The latest projection provided by the NBA was 134 million. Now, the other tricky part for the Suns, they've got two big guarantee or non or partial guaranteed contracts. You've got Chris Paul at 30.8 million, uh, but is guaranteed for 15.8 million, and then you've got Cameron Payne at 6.5 million guaranteed for two million. I put both of those guys into my projections that they'll be back on the roster, which means they'll sit there at their full amounts, the 30.8 for Paul, the 6.5 for Payne. So before we even get to cap holds for any of the free agents in it or anything like that, you've already got a team that's over and above the cap. So it, and I know this seems rudimentary, but I don't think some uh, Suns fans fully understand what that means. A lot of times you hear, well, they can just go sign somebody, but if you're over the cap, you only have access to that mid-level and biannual exception, correct? Or there's just exceptions that you have. You can't just go over uh, over the cap even more unless it's re-signing your own guys, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So what they would have access to is either the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception next year that projects to be about $11 million or so, uh, about, about $11.4 million. Uh, and they would also have access to the biannual exception, which is $4.5 million. The challenge with using either one of those for Phoenix is that would hard cap them. Because if you use the full non-taxpayer mid-level or you use the biannual, you become hard-capped at the tax apron. They're sitting roughly, in my calculations, probably going to be somewhere in the 20-ish million range under uh, that hard-cap number. But that's before re-signing Cam Johnson, which I assume they'll do. And then obviously filling out the rest of the roster, which is going to happen one way or another. You've got to get to at least 14 players on the roster at some point. So what I think you're going to see them do is probably use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception amount. That just seems to be a more realistic path for them. And that number is about $7 million. So in this case, unless you're doing some kind of 
you know, weird deal where you're matching salaries in a trade and all that sort of stuff via sign and trade. They're probably looking at, at having that $7 million and that's the biggest chunk of spending power that they'll have at their disposal this coming off season. So the assumption is with Matt Ishbia coming in, who he and his brother Justin have deep pockets, that the, the luxury tax isn't going to be the problem here. So with that being said, the expiring contracts that they have in terms of Dario Saric, uh, Jay Crowder, uh, and I'm forgetting one other uh, other name here, but they have about $30 million, uh, in in money that's coming off the books at the end of this year. How important is it looking at that hard cap, potential hard cap future to make a move with those, with those salaries to try to get in something that can help now? So then even if they're expiring deals, you can re-sign them under the rules of the luxury tax. Yeah, that's huge because I know a lot of people think, well, you can always do a sign-in trade where you can sign a player to a $20 million deal and bring back $20 million. That's That's true, except for the fact that a sign-in trade also makes you become hard capped. And, and again, they'd be hard capped at the, the tax apron. That should probably be right around 169 million or so, but we just went through it, right? So we, we went through all the salaries we project to have on their books. If we say that that's 137.7 million. So now you're roughly 31 ish million below that, but you're going to resign Cam Johnson. So if you resign Cam Johnson, and, and roughly I'm going to say, let's just say $17 million for Cam Johnson. I am just kind of picking a, a figure that feels comfortable uh, for him. You resign him for a salary that starts around 17 million. Now all of a sudden you're at 144 million and you're starting to creep close to that, to that, um, hard cap, or I'm sorry, 154 million. And you're starting to creep a little bit closer to that luxury tax because at that point, even if you re-sign Cam Johnson, plus all the guys we talked about, Aiton, Booker, Bridges, Paul, Payne, and Landry Shamit, you're only at eight players on the roster. So you've got to then go get six more guys. You're going to fill it out. And at that point, you're right basically at that hard cap number. And that's why a it's better to make a deal now, especially if your new ownership group coming in says, yeah, the luxury tax isn't the barrier for us that it has seemingly been for years for the Suns. We'll blow past the luxury tax. Not saying they're going to go to Clippers, Warriors, Nets levels, but we'll, we'll go to 20 million over. That's generally the, the, the mark for a true contender. Then what you can do is you could go acquire somebody, even if they're on an expiring contract with the idea of, all right, we shipped out Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. We're going to go acquire somebody else and we're going to get, get a player signed and brought in, or maybe even they're on an expiring with the idea of we'll resign them to be a big part of our, our core going forward with the, with the other guys we still have. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, I've very much been on the a deal needs to get done. And I think that there needs to be some pressure on, on James Jones because internal development has only taken this group so far. And with where you're sitting with the cap, it just seems like you're going to have to get creative to find, uh, find that guy or guys that can really help Devin Booker out at this point. And uh, I think you've painted a pretty at a pretty complete picture on this won't be easy if they don't make these moves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, 7 million, that's not a, bad chunk of change that's going to get you somebody who's helpful but you're looking like guys who signed for the taxpayer last year an example of a guy who you could could 
get or a player like him is someone like Danilo Gallinari. Now, not perfect because he got hurt, obviously, but he was somebody who was available, signed for the full taxpayer. Mid-level, you can bring in that. That's what you're looking at. There's that, that kind of veteran player that's coming in. Obviously, if you have a core of Booker, Paul, Aiton, Johnson, Bridges, that group, you're going to be feel pretty confident you're you're you know at least a a very solid playoff team if not a full-scale title contender i tend to lead lean towards the latter uh for phoenix in that case so you're going to be a little bit more attractive your seven million might be a little bit more attractive than 10 million from a team that's maybe not so good to a veteran player but that's basically what you're limited to, right? That That's it. That's kind of the contract you can offer. So at that point, I think what happens then is if you have guys already in place, even if their contract expires, you can resign those guys, again, assuming the luxury tax is no, no barrier, resign those guys, bring them back along with Johnson and the rest of that core that we talked about. And then you fill out the rest of the roster with veteran guys, guys who fill you know, targeted specific needs, which I think James Jones and staff have done a good job with. I think, you know, a guy like Bismack Biombo, that's a great value for a minimum signing to be a backup five or even a third five if you need him. Uh, Damian Lee, another really good value signing to be kind of a designated shooter type of player for depth off your bench. I think they, they'll be able to target those. So ideally what you'd like to do is turn the Crowder, Sarich, Maybe Tory Craig, we'll see. I mean, Tory Craig just seems like, and this is a bad example, but he seems like that bad penny. He just keeps turning up in Phoenix, right? Um, yeah. And that's it's not not great to call him that because he's not bad by any means, but you know he's just kind of the guy who's always there. So if we even if we take him out of the mix, you use Crowder and Sarge's money, nineteen million, go get yourself a twenty million dollar player that's either signed for the next couple of years. Or you, even if you have to re-sign him, that's fine as long as somebody wants to be there because now you've got your core group, you re-sign Johnson, you've got whoever you add at the trade deadline, you fill it out with your veteran minimum signings, and you've got yourself a pretty deep and complete roster. So just in, in basketball theory, like looking at it, do, do teams wind up in these situations because of – Poor drafting. I mean, Golden State seems like they're they're the best example you can have. You draft well, so then you can re-sign these guys, and then you can wind up with a massive tax bill. But you have a, such a, a a complete and deep team because you've been able to draft well, and then you add on on the margins a little bit. Do the Suns and other teams wind up in a position like this because of a just poor drafting or a lack of attention to the draft? Um, you, you can certainly end up in those positions. If you're in a spot where there's some, a lot of different approaches to team building. Um, I think, I think one of the approaches is we develop through the draft. We're going to build, we're going to develop our own players. Like I look at the Memphis Grizzlies are kind of right now, the shining example of that. They probably do the best job with drafting and developing of any team in the league right now, their entire core of their team they drafted and developed themselves. It's really only a, a Tyus Jones and somebody else who, who I'm, I'm forgetting now were not drafted by that team. Uh, Steven Adams, everybody else, their own draft picks came in. I think there is the group that kind of looks at it and says, 
uh, we're going to throw draft picks out the window. We'll trade every one of them that we possibly can because we're going all in on known quantities. We want guys who can play right now where that's how we're going to build our team. You still have some franchises still kind of doing the stars model where it's like the Lakers, right? It's still, we're chasing stars to put around a couple guys. That's obviously as the Lakers are the best example, really risky because if one of those guys gets hurt, you're in a lot of trouble. You're probably not going to be very good. Then the next part where I think the, the where the Suns fall is where the vast majority of teams fall is. We're going to use the draft to develop a core group of guys, but when it's time to win and we feel like we're really ready to take that step forward, we may move some picks. We may move some players we drafted. Four veteran players who come in, fit around our guys. I think uh, the Celtics are a good example of that. They they, they were able, uh, kind of in this current iteration, uh, it's still a team that's built around Tatum, Brown, Smart, Robert Williams, but then they've made kind of going moves to get guys like Al Horford, Malcolm Brogdon, players like that. Suns, good example, right? You've got kind of your core of guys who came through the draft of Booker, Aiton, Bridges, Johnson, but then he went out and got Chris Paul. It's turned sideways, but Jay Crowder was a guy they went out and got in free agency a couple of years ago. Dario Saric is another guy they acquired, um, you know, as they were building things up. So I think those are the things you you look at, and it's the important thing is, I think more so than anything else, is you got to be willing to pivot when you need to, and you got to be you want to be on it and honest with yourself because if what you do is you hang on a year too long then all of a sudden that year too long can really turn into now we messed ourselves up for a few years down the line but i don't think phoenix is there yet you know we'll, we'll see if this year doesn't go right then maybe it maybe start time to have difficult conversations about guys like chris paul and a couple of the other vets on the roster but for now you're you're fine you just you know my my thing would be let's go get the right kind of guys around those guys and go especially with paul knowing we've got that easy out a year from now if we need to yeah a lot of questions in phoenix in terms of uh injury exceptions what the rules are on that uh and also uh, signing a guy to a 10 day. I believe 10 days don't start until January, correct? But can yep, you January it? 5th, almost and, there. Okay. So, so that's why you haven't seen the Suns go after a 10 day guy to try to try to help bolster the roster, but injury exceptions. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that and, and how those come into play and when they trigger? Yeah. So the, there, there's two things that happen with injuries that, that I think, get, or actually three that get kind of, um, they all get kind of mishmashed together by people, and I think where it creates confusion. And then also, I think sometimes we have to turn off our football and baseball brains as basketball season starts because there's no IR, there's no DL, none of that exists in the uh, in the NBA. They, they don't have that situation. So let's start with the the kind of the the worst case injury exception is a career ends. For a player, he's out, out, he's never going to come back. Um, what can ultimately happen in that situation is you would go into a spot where after that player's been out for a year, you can petition to have it examined that if he's never going to return, then you can petition to have that salary wiped off your, your books. Nobody, obviously, on the Suns is in that position. They don't have a single player on the roster that, that's in that, that type of spot. The next type is the disabled player exception. What the disabled player exception is, that's a player who is more likely than not to be out for the entirety of the current season. So through the end of June, um, that that is 
what happens there is you get an exception that is worth anywhere from half the player's salary to a maximum of the non-taxpayer. So in this case, let's say it was Chris Paul was out for the year. They can petition and if they, the, the fitness to play panel says, yeah, we think he's going to be out for the year. The Suns would get a, an injury exception worth a little over $10 million because that's up to the non-taxpayer. If it was somebody like uh, Dario Sarge who makes about $9 million, you get about a $4.5 million um, because that's half of his current salary. Which I believe they applied for last year. When last year yeah. Yeah. Yep, and, and they, they actually used it last year, I believe. Um, I believe that's the mechanism under which they acquired Aaron Holiday uh, last season at the trade deadline. So that's exactly a great example, right? They knew Sarge wasn't going to play after tearing his ACL in the finals. In a finals on top of a weird calendar, right? Because it was we we're still on the little bit of the oddball calendar uh there. So that that was was good usage of the disabled player exception. The last part is now that first one doesn't come with a roster spot, the disabled player exception. So that's just a signing exception. You don't get an additional roster spot. You can get additional roster spots added if you have up to four players out, and those four players have been out for up to um, four games. So once they, they get it, get to that point, you can tell the league, hey, we're in a hardship. We saw this. Well, I'm going to knock on wood because I never want to repeat it. But last year with the, all the COVID absences, yeah. and it got to a point where the NBA and the NBPA did a side letter agreement, basically to say, hey, all these guys you're signing to these COVID hardship 10 days, none of them are going to count against the cap. They're going to get paid their full 10-day amount, but it's not going to count against you because they didn't want to hurt teams that were maybe – all the way up against the hard cap or up against the luxury tax or whatever and say, sorry, you can't sign anybody. But again, you've got to have multiple players out for multiple days before you can even ask in that situation. And in Phoenix's situation, the first thing the league is going to turn around and say is you're sitting on an open roster spot, fill that first. And then we can talk about any additional roster spots to come down the line. Now, does that hardship, can that not start until that January 5th date when the 10 days can happen or can uh, that happen at any point? Yeah, that's a great question. It can happen at any point. Um, we've actually seen them happen earlier in seasons. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies had it a few years back uh, when they were still kind of building back up. Um, they, they had one. The challenge is you can't sign a 10-day. So what they did was they signed a player to a fully non-guaranteed contract, which in effect turned into a pseudo 10-day because after about two weeks when, when they had guys come back, they just waved that player and moved on. So that's kind of how you can work around it. But in this case, we're, we're only a week or so out from 10-day contracts being allowed. So if anybody gets into the hardship, and there generally is taking the COVID year out of it, there generally is one or two teams that hit the hardship at some point in the second half of the season where, where they end up uh, reaching out to the league. The league increases the roster spots and they fill it by a couple. Well, perfect. Keith, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to kind of lay this out and look at what the future holds for the Suns from a cap perspective. Uh, follow Keith at Keith Smith MBA. Uh, catch what he does in terms of the cap and all that at Spot Track. Uh, Keith, anything else you want to plug before we say goodbye? Yeah, if you like this kind of nerdy cap talk and transaction stuff, uh, check us out on NBA Front Office Show as well. Trevor Lane and I break down all the latest NBA news and notes around the league and all that sort of stuff and get, get deep into this cap and roster stuff there as well. So, But yeah, Spot Track, you can find all my stuff writing about the cap and contracts and rosters there. Thanks for having me. Hey, Keith, Happy New Year.
You as well. Thank you. Big thanks to Keith Smith of Spotrack. Uh, he is one of the utmost uh, and, and foremost minds when it comes to the salary cap. Glad he could take a few minutes and kind of explain some of the intricacies of what's going on with the Suns and the importance of James Jones making a deal before the deadline for now and for the future. Uh, I want to talk about this, though. I'm wearing uh, my PHNX hoodie, the new script hoodie with PHNX. You got the flag on the on this sleeve, I pointed at the wrong arm. That's pretty bad. Uh, on this sleeve as well, the flag logo. I love these. They're comfortable. We've got one with Phoenix, our lovable cactus foam finger mascot. Uh, he's a bit of a prick, but he looks great on a hoodie. Uh, you can pick that up. There's all sorts of hoodies at the phnxlocker.com. And if you want to save some money on PHNX merch, it's this simple. Become a diehard member today. You'll get an additional 20% off your merchandise. You're going to get gated content from... Gerald Bourget, Howard Balzer, Jesse Friedman, Craig Morgan. I promise not to write behind the paywall because you don't have to pay for that. It's not worth it. But all these other guys write some of the best stuff. You're going to read 90% of our content's free, but we keep that sweet, sweet 10% just for you, the diehard members. But that's not all. When you sign up, you're going to get your diehard membership, and we're going to be announcing all sorts of ways you can save and open up all sorts of doors around the valley just by being a member. So keep your ears and eyes open uh, for that. With the diehards, it's some of the best that you're going to get as a Phoenix sports fan. So sign up today at gophnx.com. Again, thanks to my guest, Keith Smith uh, and Sam Quinn, both providing some interesting perspective on the Suns and this little bit of a different version of the PHNX Suns show. I want to thank my co-hosts who weren't here today, Lindsey Smith, Gerald Borgay, and Saul Bookman. I'm Espo. You can follow me at Espo. And remember, at Ishpia, Please spend the money to bring a title here. We've been waiting for so, so long. Ahoy hoy, everybody.